0: This is Open House with Brad Snyder. Whether you're buying, selling, looking for open houses, or just looking for tips to protect your home, Open House has the information you need. Open House, brought to you by CanDo Construction. Now, Open House with your host, Brad Snyder, on the talk of the town, 1420 K10. Welcome to Open House, a program dedicated entirely to the subject
1: of real estate. I'm Brad Snyder, and I'm a realtor with Haymore Real Estate. This program has been designed to bring you news and information you can use. Each week, I'll have guest experts talking about what they know best and answering your questions and concerns. My goal is to inspire, empower, and enlighten as we discuss issues that affect home ownership. So as you listen to Open House, just remember the opinions expressed on this show are based on what we experience on an everyday basis in the ever-changing world of real estate and are not intended to be a forecast of future events, a guarantee of future results, or real estate market patterns, and are subject to change based on market and other conditions. These opinions do not necessarily reflect the official policy, position, or opinions of my broker, the National Association of Realtors, Arizona Association of Realtors, Southern Arizona Association of Realtors, or Cherry Creek Radio. Well, that's always a mouthful every week, folks. Hey, welcome to this week's show, uh, our third, uh, third show in the new program we have here, uh, Open House. Pretty excited about it. Hopefully, those of you that have uh, listened in the last couple of weeks are uh, enjoying it and finding some of the topics that we cover a little bit uh, interesting. And uh, hopefully, as we keep moving along, we'll have uh, great topics and and issues and things that will help everybody. uh, Again, if you own a home or uh, looking to buy or sell or first-time buyers or maybe just looking to maintain your investment, we're really hoping to uh, keep things interesting and on a local basis so uh, uh, let's talk about some things happening this week uh, in the news and some thoughts on uh, on the market Uh, looking at the news this morning uh, mortgage applications rose in uh, another seven and a half percent last week on a seasonally adjusted uh, uh, rate compared to the previous week according to mortgage mortgage Bankers Association weekly On an adjusted basis, the index increased 10.5% compared with the previous week and was up 70.7% compared to the same week a year ago. Uh, That's pretty cool. The increase uh, reflected a rush to refinance, even though rates were up slightly over the previous week when the Federal Reserve responded to recession fears by cutting key uh, key interest rates by three-quarters of a percent. Uh, The refinance share of last week's mortgage activity was 73%, up from 60% the previous week. Wow. I mean, that just goes to show uh, how good interest rates are right now. We're seeing some of the lowest interest rates we've seen since uh, 2005. So I think that's uh, when you see those uh, refinance rates, there are a lot of people that uh, maybe got in at the higher rates and uh, are seeing an opportunity to refinance, get those, get those payments down a little bit and save some interest. Uh, the mortgage facts this week, uh, what, interest rates last week were at 5.75 on a national basis. Uh, Monday was a holiday. And we saw Tuesday uh, kind of a big surprise when the Fed dropped uh, the key interest rates by 0.7%. Mortgages early Wednesday morning then fell to 5.375. And then the good news this week is the Fed just dropped the interest rates another half a point. So it won't take long uh, before we start to see that impact in the uh, interest rates for new and refinances and, and different things like that so uh, the summary of all that in my opinion is economy including housing is uh, probably in much better better shape than, than many feared and the the doom and gloom media keep talking about so that's pretty cool news uh, let's talk about some local stuff happening this week before we introduce our guests um, I know for those of you I'm looking at the newspaper this morning there's a lot a lot of big hullabaloo about Fry's uh, grocery store they're doing their Regrand opening this weekend after their big expansion. Um, I'm sure a lot of you driving around town have noticed there's a lot of commercial activity happening, a lot of new office buildings being put up. We've got I don't know probably three or four new hotels under construction. A um, lot of a lot of activity, and it, it, to me that's an, all encouraging when you see the growth and the things happening in our community. And uh, uh, also, I'm sure a lot of you have probably been driving uh, when you go to the mall and you see that. Uh, the condo project behind the mall that's the Casa Antigua's uh, condos and that's I think another neat project that's happening in in our community it's the first condo project in 30 years I think uh, so you know that's pretty neat there's been a uh, again a lot of people like the condos and don't want to maintain yards and lots and different things and there hasn't been a whole lot of options in our community for condos so the casa antigua's project there is going to be uh i think pretty neat those should be i i know they're uh getting really close to some of the first buildings being done uh what else has been happening the community's new urgent care clinic uh it's called the high desert clinics on uh, fry boulevard near carmichael that's pretty cool Gives us our second urgent care clinic in sierra vista and that's kind of neat takes a lot of pressure off uh, the emergency room at the hospital which is uh always challenged and um Um, with our community continuing to grow, having those uh, urgent cares are pretty cool. So for those of you that haven't been by there and seen that new urgent care clinic, they did a real nice job on it, and the Herald did a real nice review and uh, talked about some of the things happening with that. Uh, What else? We've got the economic luncheon coming up on March 13th, and that's pretty interesting for those kind of wanting to know what's happening in our community and how the, uh, you know, where our community is growing, some of the different uh, economic factors and things that affect the growth and future of our community. Uh, the registration deadline for that is March 7th, and this is the 14th annual service to Economic Outlook Luncheon. This is hosted by the Cochise College Center for Economic Research, and uh, that's pretty cool. It's going to be held this year on March 13th at the Palms, and uh, for information and tickets for that economic luncheon, you can call 515-5486. And I highly encourage uh, individuals can go, and I believe they have like tables available for you know if a whole office wants to get uh, a group together, but uh, probably a very informative uh, luncheon and one that they do um, on an annual basis. Pretty interesting. Uh, what else we've got? The Cowboy Poets uh, and Music Gathering that's coming up. Uh, and a matter of fact, if uh, you haven't seen today's Herald in the Tempo. They've got a real nice insert uh, talking about that and that's kind of that's a big thing for our community and uh, just one of many things that happen in our community that's kind of fun and this thing grows every year and uh, even if you know I've heard some people say oh poet stuff not very exciting but actually it's real fun uh, I mean they have all kinds of uh, events associated with that and it's uh, happens at the Buena Performing Arts and let's see what else they've got. Uh, I don't know. You've got to see that insert in today's paper. So if you haven't picked up the Herald today, you might want to do that. Tickets are, are real inexpensive. And they've got lists of featured artists and participating people. And uh, talks about some of the gathering winners for 2008. Uh, some neat stuff there. Uh, today's Herald has a lot of great stuff in it. Uh, we'll also talk about. Coming up uh, down the road, we have the West End Block Party coming up. That's in April, and that's always a lot of fun. We've seen a lot of of growth on that end of town, and that kind of ties into what we're going to be talking about today. Um, I want to talk a little bit about our guest. Uh, Sierra Vista Incorporated in 1956 began to grow quickly. Many businesses have come and gone in Sierra Vista's history. Many real estate companies have come and gone as well. But only one is celebrating its 40th anniversary this year. As the longest continuously operated real estate office in Sierra Vista, integrity is paramount, paramount in everything they do. It all started with the ambition and imagination of a man named Bob Watkins, who saw potential not only in selling property, but also in being part of a young and growing community. This is when Bob had his humble beginnings back in 1968 when he opened Sierra Vista Realty i got some fun facts for, uh, for maybe this will probably be interesting for Bob, too. When Bob opened Sierra Vista Realty in 1968, the Dow Jones Industrial Average stood at 858. Uh, the average cost of a new house was 14950 bucks. The average monthly rent was 130 bucks. Movie tickets cost a whopping $1.50, and a gallon of gas cost $0.32. Cents. So uh, a, lot, a lot has changed in Bob's time here in the community. So uh, today we do have Bob Watkins, owner and designated broker of Sierra Vista Realty in the studio, and we're going to be talking about the unique history of Sierra Vista and Sierra Vista Realty. So today promises to be very interesting, so, and if you have any questions or comments, please email me at brad at bradsnyder.com. I'd love to hear from you. So stick around, and uh, we'll be right back with Bob
0: Watkins from Sierra Vista Realty. You're listening to Open House with Brad Snyder on 1420 K10.
1: Welcome back to Open House with Brad Snyder on KTAN 1420 AM. Uh, Most of us came to Sierra Vista from somewhere else, and uh, most of us have not lived in Cochise County uh, for uh, all of our lives, but today we have Bob Watkins from Sierra Vista Realty in the studio to talk with us uh, about his company and how Sierra Vista and Cochise County has changed. Um, Bob is a local, which is pretty rare around here. I was just talking with Bob uh, during the commercial break that uh, he was born and raised uh, right here in Cochise County. Uh, So probably a great guest to have in the studio. Uh, Good morning, Bob, and thanks for joining us today. Uh, Why don't we start off by having you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and how how you got to where you're at today.
2: Oh, thank you, Brad. Uh, Appreciate the opportunity to come down and tell the people something about myself and my company. Uh, We started actually in 1959 here as Watkins Realty and then incorporated as Service to Realty in 1968. I'm from Bisbee, uh, born and raised there, and the only time I was away is when I was in the service. I was in the Navy. got out in 59 and opened a real estate office uh, here. There was, uh, I think it was only two or three real estate offices when I opened. Uh, we moved in the Carmichael House, which is the 1968 figure that you were mentioning, service to really, and we incorporated at that time. Frank Freehage sold us that, that Carmichael House. We were looking for a restaurant for somebody, and we heard that he might want to sell, so we went up and Got a listing on it, and uh, then the restaurant fell through, and I said, boy, this is too good a buy to pass up. So that's where we settled.
1: Now that building, Bob, isn't that one of the oldest buildings in Sierra Vista?
2: Right. It was It was built in 1930. That was the Carmichael Ranch House. They owned that building, and then across the street they had, um, well, the post office, the grocery store, where the Stronghold Steakhouse is now. Where Daisy Mays is, that
1: that, I guess, oh, yeah, it's now Daisy, Daisy Maze. <laughs>
2: Maze now. It <laughs> used to things. be Bill's Trading Post. I'm going back too far. <laughs>
1: <laughs> going back away, so So that area right there in Carmichael, I mean, that's, that's a pretty interesting history. I mean, the Daisy Maze is the oldest building in in our community, I believe, from what history says. It's one of the, one that, of the oldest. The three oldest buildings from what I can find is the Daisy Maze Steakhouse, where Atlas Furniture is, I think it's now Thomas. Uh, home furnishings and the Carmichael House are the three oldest buildings uh, in our community and uh, so it's kinda interesting to be part of now you say it was the Carmichael Ranch house so that kinda what is that so a lot of the area behind where where your office is now was all part of part of their ranch yeah there were
2: about three different three or four different families that kinda owned Fry at the time Carmichael's were on the west side and Mr Fry, Irwin Fry, was kind of in the middle and then we had Tomberlands and and the Donut Fry Ranch out to the eastern portion of town. So it was uh, mainly a ranching community. Of course, the fort uh, right outside the gate helped gave it a little bit of uh, permanence. During the emergencies, you know, World War One, it opened. After it was uh, over, it closed. World War Two, it opened. After it was over, the fort closed. Korea. It uh, opened, and after that, it was closed in '53, then
1: opened again permanently in '54. So, uh, you know, that's that's interesting history when you think about it that the fort opened and closed numerous times over the years. Um, what what happened with the post during the downtime? It was it was still obviously federal, that yeah. it just kind of boarded things up and
2: they grazed buffalo up on the fort. You know, it's a state, they gave it to the State Gaming Commission, and it was just mainly boarded up, and uh, they just used it for grazing. During World War II, my first experience with coming out here from Bisbee, I had a friend, uh, his father had bought out Mr. Fry and, uh, during World War II, so we'd come out and stay with him, and we'd go out and pick up duds on the East Range. We had a whole pile of them they were probably live i don't know but we're still here we would deliver papers up on the fort and and we'd hit all the mess halls up there they had about five or six or maybe more but we'd have breakfast at every one of them so we were kind of filled up
1: so that's uh, so when sierra vista incorporated i think in 1956 certainly seemed that i guess was about the time fort huachuca really started to become a permanent kind of fixture and the community started to take off and grow a little bit about that time?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, those guys that were here and put that together, you know, like Vern Hagee and some of those guys that really be admired because they, they really put the town together. Jim Carroll built a lot of houses. And um, when we were Secretary of the Chamber in, in 57, when uh, or 67, when uh, Stratcom came out and When they got here, we didn't know they were coming. We didn't have any houses for them. We we rented a place we thought was a good place down in Bella Vista to a couple that were used to living in a high rise in Washington, D.C. And I remember that wife sat down right in the middle of the kitchen and cried. It was so bad. (laughs) (laughs) We thought it was a nice house.
1: Little, but the community was quite different back then. I mean, when we think of Seavest and how big it is now, I mean, back in that time, where where did what 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 streets were around? Was Fry, Fry Boulevard wasn't really Fry Boulevard then, was it? Yeah, well, it wasn't. I don't know.
2: It was uh, you know Highway ninety two or ninety. They kept switching them around quite a bit. But it wasn't named Fry Boulevard until. Probably later on in the 70s or so, when they were trying to pacify Mr. Fry because <laughs> they were trying to get him, him to incorporate at the time, and uh, he was he was willing to incorporate when they first started. Mr. Fry told me this, and he said he would. There were going to be five councilmen, and Sierra Vista is going to have three, and he was going to have two. Well, after they got him to sign the incorporation papers, they said, "Well, it's going to be an election. We can't." Really guarantee you two, two representatives on the council, and he said, "Forget it, I'm not incorporating." <laughs> and he didn't. He got hold of Jim McNulty, and they pulled out of incorporation.
1: So is that why Fry is still considered part of the county to this day? It's not. Yeah. It's not really incorporated. It's still kind it's of still a county enclave, mm-hmm. right in the middle of town. Right. But uh, but anyways, Fry Boulevard back then, <clears throat> how far did it go down, I and mean, where was the end of town at?
2: Well, Buena Buena School was there, you know, out on 90 and 92. So, but there wasn't no no commercial beyond 7th or uh, I guess Village Meadows was just starting. Bella Vista was starting, and this is the late 50s. They started Fuller started Village Meadows. Cracchio was in Bella Vista, uh, and then the the road going out 90, crossing the river. You know, that bridge wasn't there until about 55, 56, so you had to ford the river. During World War II, they forded the river if they wanted to go that way. It was all dirt. And then 92 was paved all the way to Bisbee.
1: Huh. Uh, You know, it's just so amazing. You know, I know I moved to this community in 1988, and so it's 20 years I've been here. And it's changed just tremendously i can 't imagine some of the change that you 've seen in uh, in your time here it's just it 's got to be uh, just kind of mind boggling really I mean yeah. people think of it as a small community now they probably have no idea what it what it was like fifty years ago
2: I think when I was uh, president of the chamber in sixty three I think the sixty census was about fifteen hundred
1: people in in nineteen sixty yeah fifteen hundred people yeah i mean that's <clears throat> That's just think about that for a minute. But you knew uh,
2: everybody, you know. You, you
1: went to the restaurant, and you knew everybody. It was a really a small community. You yeah. knew kind of everybody. Well, you know, it's, I think it's still a great community when you go out. I mean, I still see people every day and they wave at you. But it's got to be even quite different from from even back then. Oh yeah. But uh, but that's that's uh, very uh, intriguing. Um, the uh, what was I going to talk about? You've seen like on that end of town. One of the things. Uh, when I got here, you saw some of the buildings close to the post there that have a second story and there 's apartments up there and I guess from what I was told that you know before the community really started to grow that people the businesses that were here first had to live above their businesses because there weren 't that many homes or places to live is that it?
2: yeah uh well,
1: the old theater you know the one that burnt down. Uh oh. Well, look at that. We, we better get to a break here. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, but stay with us because uh, when we come back, we'll have more with
0: Bob Watkins, and uh, we'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to Open House with Brad Snyder on 1420 K10, the talk of the town. Welcome back to Open House. My name is Brad Snyder.
1: I do want to remind everybody real quick before we get back to Bob Watkins that uh, if you missed any of the past week's shows, you can go to bradsnyder.com backslash show, and uh, we have the podcast available that you can listen to on the website or download that, Uh, so uh, that's kind of a new feature, kind of something neat for if you don't catch the show on Saturday morning. So. Anyways, we want to get back to Bob Watkins, the broker and owner of Sierra Vista Realty, who's in the studio today, and we're talking about uh, the history of Sierra Vista and his company, Sierra Vista Realty. And I find the history is always very uh, intriguing to me, and I I love I can sit and we can talk about it for days, and I'm sure we're barely going to touch on some of the things today. So uh, before we left on our break, we were talking about kind of the growth and how Sierra Vista has changed. Uh, before we get too much into that I want to make sure we have time to talk about um, real estate and and your company and uh, one of the things I'm interested in is uh, you know back when you started out in the late 50's in real estate what uh, what kind of inspired you back in that time to choose real estate as a career
2: oh when I got out of the service I was looking around for a career and I went to work for uh, Hargis over in Bisbee Bisbee Uh, Hargis Realty and there was a piece of land out in Sulphur Springs Valley for sale, 40 acres. And there, it was uh, a state represented by an attorney there. And he wanted to buy it, but he couldn't buy it because he was representing the state. So he said, Why don't you buy it? And I said, I don't know what I'd do with it. You know, I don't want a piece of land. This military didn't know anything about it. But he talked me into it, so I bought it for $50 an acre. $50 an acre. $50 an acre. And Hargis was an appraiser, and he appraised a lot of land out here. And all the land he appraised was $50 an acre. He had a set formula, $50 an
1: acre. Didn't matter where it was or you know, condition of the land, it was $50 Well, I'm a acre.
2: licensed appraiser, you know, $50 an acre. So I bought it, and then I sold it to this attorney that sold it to me for $75 an acre. So I made a $1,000. And I said, "Boy, that's the easiest money I think I've ever made,"
1: and this is for me. So that's how I got in the real estate business. And then, uh, so you started uh, your own company shortly after that. Well, what at that time, early? is that what, what you said?
2: At that time in fifty nine, uh, you had you could go to the state real estate department. They had a little pamphlet about that thick. You had to study, and you could take either a salesman's license or a broker's license. You didn't have to serve the three years that you have to serve now as a salesman before you became a broker. Of course I had no idea what I was doing, but I took the salesman exam and then six months later I had a cousin that was working the state uh, department up there and she said you better get up here if you want to be a broker because they're going to change the law. So I went up there and studied a little bit for the broker's exam and took it. So I was a salesman for about six months before I was a broker. And knew nothing about real estate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then you're a broker. There you go. There I'm a broker. Yeah. They change a little bit now. You got to have three oh, years experience boy, under your yeah. belt before even yeah. uh, before you can even. Which is which is probably good. Probably a good thing, <laughs> yeah. you think? So that's uh, that's kind of interesting. So you became a broker. And then so once you got your broker's license, is that when you thought, hey, might as well open my own uh, company.
2: Yeah, I came out here, and uh, this was a great opportunity. I thought Sierra Vista looked like it was going to take off, and. Fort was uh, uh, kind of on shaky ground because it had been closed so many times that people were leery about investing out here. In fact to sell a house on FHA we had to not only get FHA to insure the loan for the mortgage companies but we had to get the military to insure FHA. So there was
1: you know, people people were really uh, gun-shy back then about what was going to happen with the fort, huh?
2: Yeah, and when you get the government gun-shy, then it makes everybody gun-shy, you know. That was the government insuring the government.
1: So, uh, well, obviously, we know how it all worked out. The fort has stayed open, and the community has grown uh, substantially over those years. Um, now, you said you started Watkins Realty. What made you incorporate and change the company to Sierra Vista Realty.
2: Well I took in a partner. I took in Bob Whitaker in 68 and we moved to the Carmichael house and things were just changing so I thought it was a good time to incorporate and get a little bit of liability protection. And 40 years
1: later here we are. That's yeah
2: cool. and I just figured out you know the Carmichael's built that house in 1930 and they sold it in sixty eight which is thirty eight years and i 've been in that darn thing from sixty eight to zero eight so i 've been in it forty years, so
1: i 've been in it two more years than the Carmichaels were in <laughs> so that that is something it 's a neat it's you got a neat office over there and, and uh, for those that have never been in there to see a little kind of piece of history. Uh, I'm sure if you just stop in, knock knock on uh, Bob's door there, he'd be more than happy to uh, tour you around the office and yeah. uh, show you a little bit about the the old Carmichael house.
2: And Margaret Carmichael, her nickname was Trixie Carmichael, and they accuse her of being a madam, but I don't. Th- she, we have a picture of her here uh, that we that Frank didn't give me. Frank Freehage didn't give me, but Adele Stottermeyer, that bought the stronghold stay or the well, it's Daisy Mays Daisy now. Maze now uh, found this picture over there, and she gave it to me. And she's anything but a madam—a little, little lady, very thin,
1: uh, old ranch lady, you know, that type. That's that's something else. Now, uh, <clears throat> I guess some of the interesting things for me would be—you know—we could talk a little bit about how the business of real estate and how buying and selling real estate in our area has changed in in, in your time in this community. Uh, I know when I was at your office um, recently, you were showing me the one-page real estate contract, which doesn't go back all that far, actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've got kind of a whole wall plastered with some of these one-page contracts that you used to deal with, and and, uh, so I'm sure things have gotten a little more complicated over the years. Maybe you want to touch on that a little bit?
2: Those one-page contracts were used for years and years and years. When I went to work for Hargis in Bisbee, he had no listings and no sales forms. Can imagine that
1: no listings, no, and no list, sales, no sales. So It was all in his head.
2: It was all in his head, and when he got somebody that wanted to buy a piece of property, he'd take him to the title company. They'd fill out escrow instructions, and that was his sales contract.
1: I think it's a little more complicated for those of us who bought a home or sold property uh, over the last few years. We know the stack of
2: uh, nine you know, pages of yeah. yeah sales I mean, that's contract. just
1: the base sales sales contract is nine pages, it's but that ahead. doesn't talk about all the addendums and all oh. the. Uh, all the other things that get involved I mean but by the time you're done buying a piece of property you've got a file folder about 2-3 inches thick so uh, so when did it change from the one-page contract to more of what we're seeing today
2: it was kind of a gradual uh, change but mainly we copy California and you can look at California and as they got tighter and tighter on the real estate rules and regulations we adopted those so we can blame California for all the
1: paperwork that we have to do now. So we look at that now and we go, man, what a stack of paperwork. And now, and then, of course, technology is changing things. It's only a matter of time here before it's all digital, and you won't even have papers anymore. Everything will be right. uh, computerized, and you won't get a stack of papers. You'll sign something digitally, and things will all when be When we
2: started, we didn't have copy machines. We didn't have, of course, fax machines or any of that. We had carbon paper. You know, we old manual
1: typewriter, all that sort of stuff. Microfish and, and my kids saw a microfish thing at the library and asked us, What is that? You know, what is a what is that machine? I said, It's microfish. That's how you look things up in in the mm-hmm. old days and I said that was kinda of their uh uh that was pretty modern stuff back in the day, but
2: uh we didn't have any microfish either. Didn't have that <laughs> no. either. Was, uh-huh. that, that was it's modern. Yeah, it's it's really changing so fast that us old guys are having a hard time and uh turned it over. The uh, my son is
1: handling all the computer stuff for me. Yeah, that's all right. I've been in your office. I see you on that computer. You can you can check email, and you're you're pretty tech savvy. You're I can do about three things
2: on it. You know, listing and, and contracts and uh, and checking your
1: email. Yeah, check the email. <laughs> so it's you know it 's kind of fun and and you think about all those changes in the things that you 've seen that is just uh, to me is pretty amazing i 'm um, sure that um, you 've seen some ups and downs you know we we hear a lot of people talking right now about the slowdown in in uh, in our real estate market conditions, but that 's probably nothing compared to some of the stuff you 've seen over the years
2: We have you know when when you 've got military dominated installation we 're just scared to death they 're going to close. And at one time, they changed all the contract people over to civil service or military. And that was '64, 1964, and they threw about 200 houses on the market, which we weren't ready for, and we we were really hurting then. So, so this is
1: this is more of a kind of just a typical market correction, not really something like we've seen in the past, huh? Yeah, we used to be not governed by the national trends, but all right. right now. Well, you know what? We're going to take another quick break, but stay with us because when we come back, we'll have more from Bob Watkins, the owner and broker of Sierra Vista Realty. Stick around.
0: You're listening to Open House with Brad Snyder on 1420
1: K10. Welcome back to Open House. My name is Brad Snyder, and we have Bob Watkins, the uh, broker and owner of Sierra Vista Realty, in the studio, and we're talking about the history of Sierra Vista and Cochise County and his history uh, with his company in Sierra Vista and our time is going quick. We've already uh, uh, burned through uh, two breaks with you and uh, barely scratched the surface on, it. you know, there's just so many things that we could talk about. And uh, figuring out how to get it all into one show, I think we're definitely going to have to get you back on another show uh, just to kind of hone in on some of the different things. Uh, Chamber of Commerce, I know we haven't really talked much about. I'd like to kind of touch on that real quick because you've seen kind of the formation of the Chamber of Commerce, and you're a past president. Uh, maybe you want to talk a little bit about the the Chamber of Commerce and
2: uh Chamber of Commerce. Um, it's got quite a history, you know. When we well first started it. In 50, well, it's probably started in 56 when Bill Page was out with a First National Bank. He came from Bisbee every day, commuted, and they gave Chamber of Commerce a space in the bank as a little cubbyhole. And then uh, I think Doc Folberg was uh, maybe president when I joined the Chamber of Commerce. And then very few volunteers at that time. So right away, you know, I was appointed president in '63, and so on and so forth. And then we came along in about the middle of the 60's and no one would serve as president. I finally got Jack Kramer who was a, a garage mechanic here in town to serve and I said, look and I'll help you. And he said, well I'm not a speaker, you know, and I said, well don't worry about it. Poor guy suffered the whole year. <laughs> we had a big shindig, you know, at the end of the year, invited everybody down, the governor came down. And Jack was a principal speaker. <laughs> well, he'd improved quite a bit, and he didn't do a bad job. But everybody, you know, they went out there shaking their head and say, "Boy, oh boy, we need to get somebody in there that can represent service a little better." So uh, uh, Chamber of Commerce almost floundered there. No one wanted to really take charge and do it.
1: And now you look at how strong it is and the things that it's done over the years to help our community grow. It's uh, I think we've got a great Chamber of Commerce, and uh, I'm, I'm real proud of the job they do.
2: 1963, we had a budget of $5,000, and we had a manager. He's retired military, and I don't think we paid him a whole heck of a lot. <laughs> We had two newspapers in town that were, you know, fighting each other all the time. And the radio station was the predominant news deliverer. If you didn't listen to the news in the morning on the radio station, you missed it because they might be talking about you.
1: Small town, you probably didn't take much to make the news back then, huh?
2: Well, they sure made the businesses that came in, you know, a little bit of advertising and everybody flocked to that business. So the radio station played a big part. The radio and
1: was pretty powerful even back then, huh? Oh,
2: it was, it was really powerful. Everybody remember Red Riley and he's the one that raised money to buy the first ambulance for the hospital. Can you imagine a, a hospital without an ambulance?
1: You know, I read some history on that that and, and the what it took to get the first fire truck in our community. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty amazing when you think about the things that, that you guys, uh, you know, the community had to battle. Things that we take for granted today, you know, in, a, in an up-and-coming community. Uh, it, it took a lot of work and a lot of community effort to make some of those things happen back then.
2: Just starting is like a married couple, you know, just getting married. They don't have a darn thing. Starting from scratch. You need everything. and You don't have any funds. But you remember those days. You
1: remember so I, that that history is just really amazing to me. Um, <clears throat> what what uh, I know we're we're running short on time, but uh, I want to talk about. I know I heard uh, a story about the Charleston Dam, the the uh, actual dam Pedro out there, and, and a lot of people go. A dam on that and maybe you can tell us a little bit about where that talk came from and uh, what maybe a brief briefly what what's about that story
2: that probably took about three days but the Charleston Dam was nothing new it was it you know stock, talked about in the late 1800s as a flood control for for you know st. David and all they used to get big floods and they were going to put that Charleston Dam in uh, for flood control then later on Tucson needed the water and Carl Hayden, who was a senator, senior se- senator, uh, I think he got out of office when he's in his nineties. So he was very powerful. And he uh, the state was going to put it in. And he said, well, we'll have the federal government put it in. So he took it out of the state's hands and put it in the federal government's hands, part of the Central Arizona Project. It's still part of the Central Arizona Project. All we need to do is fund it and we'd get the would get the Charleston Dam.
1: And my question is, you know, going back, you've been here a long time. Uh, you know, people you hear about the San Pedro drying up, but you know, I've heard from people it's not like it was a raging river back in the day either. What I mean, water, what did the water flow a lot differently than it does now?
2: No, I don't think so. I've, we've been driving back and forth for you know seventy some odd years on, uh, over the San Pedro. Looks to me the same as it ever has been.
1: You know, I think people have this vision that you know we dried up this you know Rio Grande kind of river, and and uh, the San Pedros never really been uh, a. Uh,
2: it's always been an inter- intermittent stream.
1: That's all it's been, and it it
2: didn't re- become grandiose until BLM got a hold of, a hold of it from Tentacle.
1: Gosh, and BLM, we could talk about that for, for hours. You know, we might squeeze in one or two more questions in the closing segment here, So, but we need to take a quick break, folks, so stay with us, and uh, we'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to Open House with Brad Snyder.
0: You're listening to Open House with Brad Snyder on 1420 K10, the talk of the town welcome back to open house I'm Brad
1: Snyder Uh, I want to thank Bob Watkins for joining us this week and uh, normally uh, I kind of do a closing segment here but I did want to get Bob back in for uh, we had a little bit of time here as we close out the show today I want to talk to you about uh, we're talking about the radio station and Chamber of Commerce and BLM and and all that kind of fun stuff and uh, did want to remind everybody, please, you know, your, your office down there, the Carmichael House is a neat building. If you've never stopped by, uh, stop by Sierra Vista Realty right there on Carmichael, uh, close to the main gate, right across the street from Daisy Mays. And uh, stop in and say, say hi to the folks over there. And you got to take a look at that building, and uh, they'd be more than happy to, to show you around and uh, maybe answer some of your questions on history that you didn't hear about today. And uh, I think Bob's a wealth of knowledge and information. So I'm going to throw one at you, Bob. Uh, you've seen a lot of Super Bowls over the years. Who's your pick for uh, tomorrow's game?
2: You know, I saw a guy yesterday, and he asked me that same question. I said, well, it's going to be hard to defeat undefeated team." And he said, well, I'm betting on the other team, but I'm getting two to one odds. So if your odds are (laughs) are great, you know. If you're you're a betting
1: man? Yeah,
2: and he's a betting man. Uh And he's worried about the economy. He says he has $750,000 sitting in the bank waiting for opportunities because he's mortgaged a lot. He's paid up two years in advance to carry us through this little, I'm not going to say recession, but uh, decline in uh,
1: interest. So uh, his uh, economic forecast is betting on the Super Bowl. Yeah, he bet he bets on
2: everything. <laughs> he bets yeah, on some everything.
1: people some people love that. Well, you know, for uh, for most of you folks out there, you know that uh, Super Bowl Sunday uh it's, it's a it's a big uh, big weekend for uh, for us. In fact, I think Super Bowls should be a national holiday. I mean, it's a great opportunity to um, uh, get together with friends and family, and uh, even if you're not excited about the big game. Uh, you know, if your favorite team's not in the game or you're tired of the Patriots and Giants and all the East Coast bias, you know, maybe you want to rethink that. You know, to me, the Super Bowl is... Uh, it's a great game. It's moment in sports. That's de- that you definitely just don't want to miss. And uh, um, like I said, even if you're not a football fan, it's a great opportunity to hang out with uh, friends and family and invite people over. And um, actually, I've had people tell me the day after the Super Bowl should be the holiday because it's the uh, one of the largest call-off days for uh, employers in the country. Day after Super Bowl, everybody calls off. I don't know, maybe they uh, had too much fun at their Super Bowl parties, but uh and even by super bowl standards this is going to be a huge super bowl you've got an unbeaten team versus the unpredictable team you got a most valuable player against the least likely manning you got new york versus boston the super bowl is annually the nation's highest rated tv program and i found this interesting that more than 141 million viewers watched last year's super bowl in the u.s um and uh and, and then tomorrow, we'll sure, oh, and that's in the U.S., over 1 billion in the globally will watch the Super Bowl. It's one of the, it's the largest watch program in the world. Pretty interesting. 230 countries and territories will broadcast the Super Bowl. Um, so tomorrow, we'll surely have some excitement. And uh, as I said, uh, it gives you at least an opportunity to hang out with some friends and family. So you didn't say, Bob, who your pick is. Who are you picking for tomorrow?
2: You know, I just hope it's a close game. I really don't have a preference on it, but... Well, oh, you're just, riding the
1: fence on this one. Don't go out on a yeah. limb, Bob. Don't go out on a limb here with us. and you know
2: I'm not a dyed-in-the-wool football fan, but I just hope it's close enough game so it's interesting for everybody. I hope it's not just one-sided. Yeah, you look at the undefeated
1: uh, thing. That's pretty... Was it 72 or 74? I guess I should have looked at my notes when Mi- the Miami Dolphins were the last team to go undefeated. They only had a 14-game season, uh, where our season now is 16 games uh... today by today's standards so uh... when they go undefeated they'll have played two more games than the dolphins did in, uh, what's that thirty some odd years mm. since the last undefeated team uh... so i think there's gonna be a lot of interest in that and then you got uh... uh... eli manning playing i mean his brother was in the super bowl last year and won and uh... To me, that's pretty cool. I don't know. I mean, again, I'm not a statistician or anything like that, but I don't know any other time that brothers have, have gone to back-to-back Super Bowls, so I'm sure a lot of people are going to be rooting, including the Manning family. Could you imagine oh, their man. their joy if you have uh, two, two sons uh, win back-to-back Super Bowls as quarterbacks? I guess you don't have to worry about which one to root for or hope for, so... I don't know. I get excited. I'm not a, you know, I like the Cowboys. It's not a big secret. A lot of people know I like the Dallas Cowboys, but uh, love, uh, love watching the Super Bowl. So anyways, hey, I want to thank everybody for joining us today on Open House, and I hope you all tune in next week when we'll be taking, uh, uh, we'll have Travis from TRW Home Inspections on the show with us talking about everything uh, that you need to know about home inspections. So tune in next week and be sure to email your questions to brad at brad.snyder.com. Have a great weekend.
0: You've been listening to Open House with host Brad Snyder. Join us again next Saturday right here at 11 a.m. for Open House. Brought to you by Can Do Construction on the talk of the town, 1420 K10.